You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. have a Republican House with a uh, Democratic Senate and a Democratic White House, I think it is a victory for Republicans. I think it is a good first step. It is the Martha Zoller Show. That was Representative Buddy Carter from the 1st District uh, with a very different point of view is our own Congressman Andrew Clyde, uh, who is in leadership uh, in the House of Representatives. But uh, there's a lot of opinions today. Uh, Andrew Clyde, first of all, thank you so much for being available at short notice. Thank you. Absolutely, Martha. Pleasure to be on with you. So tell us the good, the bad and the ugly as far as the debt ceiling deal. Well, I'll tell you that um, that the it's called the Fiscal Responsibility Act, but in my opinion, there's nothing responsible about it. Okay, um, it one of the most egregious things it does is it increases the debt ceiling to an unlimited level. There is no limit to it whatsoever. It's only limited by date, which is January one, twenty twenty-five. So it allows the administration, Congress, to spend as much as they possibly can until January 1, 2025, and that's going to be somewhere in the $4 trillion plus dollars. Uh, and to have that kind of an unlimited ability to spend is incredibly dangerous. You know, just in February of, la- of this year, February 1, uh, Leader McCar- Speaker McCarthy now said that um, the greatest threat to America is our debt. If the greatest threat to America is our debt, if that's true, and he's been saying that for a very long time, and I agree with him in that, um, then we have just exponentially increased the greatest threat to America here. So that's number one. That's why this is not a good deal. It's a very bad deal. Um, you know, it says we're spending less uh, than, um, <clears throat> uh, than we did. Well, there's a potentially $12 billion savings, uh, but we're going to trade that for for $4 trillion in debt, uh, that's not good. Uh, and then the rescissions that we're talking about here, uh, we're only getting COVID, COVID money back. Really, that's it. Uh, and that's $28 billion. Um, you know, the IRS piece that's in here is smoke and mirrors. You know, the IRS was given an $80 billion advance appropriation. That means, and it's good until uh, 2031, so literally nine more years. Taking $1.4 billion off of that $80 billion is going to have no effect whatsoever. They can spend all $80 billion this year. Well, actually, if this goes through, it would be $78.6 billion. They could spend that literally tomorrow if they wanted to. So instead of getting 87,000 IRS agents, they might get 86,000 IRS agents. It will make no difference whatsoever. And then the pay go, you know, pay as you go, the, the, you know, that little section in this bill. And I have read this bill, Mark. It's 99 pages long. I have read this bill. Um, <clears throat> but that pay go section uh, where it says that, you know, if, if, if the administration wants to, you know, spend X amount of dollars on this, they have to cut X amount of dollars on that, okay, to stay within budget. What's not mentioned is it can be completely waived. 100% waived by the director of the OMB. 
and <clears throat> for for reasons that cannot be challenged. So it's worthless. The pago is absolutely worthless. Have you um, have you there, spoken to the speaker? Have I spoken Clyde? to the speaker? Right. Um, I have. I was on the call on on Saturday night. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there are some. <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> there are some of us that are um, uh, going to speak to him at ten o'clock this morning. Um, but uh, but other than that, no. Um, I uh, I didn't get to speak to him Saturday night on the phone call. Okay. But I've spoken to a number of others. Are we, okay, so the bill has now been crafted, correct? It's 99 pages. You're better than I am. Right. I'm only about halfway through. So so you're better than I am. You got all the way through. Um, well, I spent all day yesterday on it, Martha. <laughs> will there be ability to have amendments? And I know that Chip Roy is talking about replacing it with, with like a uh, three-month extension. Quite frankly, I think you're going to need six months extension so that you can do a budget the right way, which is what it sounds like Representative Roy is talking about. But what are your thoughts on that and also the amendment process? Oh, there needs to be an open amendment process on this. It is right now being forced through or trying to be forced through as a closed rule, which means no amendments whatsoever. That's not the way Congress should be operating. Um, No, it needs to be an open amendment process. We need to be able to amend it. There are a number of things that should be amended in this bill. Uh, the, um, the immediate cut, if, if Congress doesn't get their appropriations done, the immediate 1% cut that's in there doesn't go into effect until, until January 1 of 2024, yet the budget ends, uh, the 2023 fiscal year ends on September 30th of 2023. So, that doesn't make any sense to me why we've got three months there of nothing. Um, <clears throat> you know, there, there's no continuing resolution. Auto CR is what they're going to call it with a 1% cut to spending. Um, so, so that's, that's a problem for me right there. No, there has to be amendments. There's a number of amendments that could make this better, but, um, but I just have a real problem of an un, of a completely open, unlimited debt ceiling. So let's talk numbers here, Andrew. Sure. I mean, you know, I've done some quick figuring. I mean, the the speaker could lose as many as 100 Republicans. But if he can pick up, if Hakeem Jeffries can deliver 100 Democrats, then he can get this passed. So are you all looking at those numbers right now? Oh, there's been a, a, a soft whip um, on the numbers for a while. Of course, you know, the leader's office is not going to share that. But we have a, you know, I mean, we have an idea of where people are and there's a lot of pushback on this bill there should be a lot of pushback on this bill this bill is not good for america martha it is not it needs to go back to the drawing board we gave speaker mccarthy a phenomenal bill the limit save grow act um which would have cut a trillion dollars in spending in year one and gone on then to to get 4.8 trillion over 10 years and that was for a $1.5 trillion increase in debt. We're going to save $12 billion, and we're going to rescind $28 billion for a total of $40 billion, and we're going to add $4 trillion in debt for that. Um, we gave Speaker McCarthy a strong hand with the Limit Save Grow Act, and, um, and the Democrats just, uh, we got rolled. How, how big of an issue do you think it is? And if you don't know, that's perfectly fine, because... 
you know, one of the problems with the COVID money, because I thought it was supposed to be about a trillion dollars in COVID money that could have been, quote, clawed back, <laughs> is that it's already been allocated to the states. And, you know, 31 governors are Republicans. They don't want to give that money back. Was that a problem that couldn't be solved? Do you know? Well, I have always seen the COVID money out there being only about 50 or $60 billion. Okay. 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 So they were throwing that number around and it wasn't a real <clears throat> right. number then. Okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. No. And that was back in January. Uh, and it has been continually spent down until, you know, that's one of the reasons why Biden set May the 11th, you know, two months earlier, so they could spend that money down as fast as they possibly could. So there would be very little left. And there's only $28 billion left. And even then, that money is not going back to pay down the debt of, of you know, or to, to offset the debt. That's being held right now from what we're being told. That's being held or being banked, okay, um, in case they need that money to plus up some other part of the budget. And to me, that's not a rescission, you know, that's, that reduces our our debt. That's simply, you know, holding back money to spend it again. Absolutely. Um, well, and, Andrew and, Clyde, we, you know, I appreciate you calling and we're up against a hard break, but uh, I know you've got this call at 10 o'clock with the speaker. I know you've got lots of work to do in the next uh, few days. So I appreciate you being available. And anytime you want to call in on these issues, you know, you're always welcome. Thank you, Martha. I appreciate the time. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Becoming my favorite Congress person because, not because we always agree, because I just love the fact that she tells the truth. And Nancy Mace is joining me right now. She was uh, the first woman graduate from the Citadel. She represents the first district of uh, South Carolina. She served our country as well as uh, the the uh, the you're not the upstate right you're you're in the state of South Carolina country. we call it the low country the coast of South Carolina the most beautiful place on earth <laughs> it is a beautiful place you know it's funny my family's mm-hmm. from Lexington South Carolina and uh, mm-hmm. a long time ago a long time we would like take I-20 to to where it ended <laughs> and yeah. that's as far as we would go but it would <laughs> but I love I love South Carolina and it's you know it's got a great place in my heart that's for sure um okay so we got this deal going and um you have been very vocal about the fact that you're not going to vote for it and you were Correct. pretty quick about coming out and saying so um you know, you know the arguments. There's a five-vote majority in the House. We don't have the Senate. We don't have the presidency. Tell folks what your thought process is for saying no. Well, first of all, I want people to know, and you mentioned it in your intro, I am the first woman to graduate from the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, where we were taught that a cadet doesn't lie, cheat, or steal, nor, nor tolerate those who do. And I am not going to lie to South Carolinians or to the American people about what this bill does or does not do. I took the time Sunday night to read the, the, the bill. I was up until midnight, got up at 4 a.m. Monday morning to read it again to make sure that I clearly understood what was going on. And um, what this bill does is add $4 trillion of debt over the next two years. Um, and there is so much language in here that voids some good ideas that are in here, 
But some of the language voids those ideas to really make this bill not worth the paper that it's printed on. And the American people are being sold a bill of goods by D.C., by Washington, saying that this bill does something that it does not do. It is not a, a bill to cut spending. It just isn't. Uh, what D.C. is trying to do is is take back you know money from the states that were, un, were unspent COVID funds and calling that a cut. That's not a cut. And what they're doing is putting into law historically high spending during COVID, $6 trillion a year, putting that into law, that that is our baseline spending going forward. The American people, and, and I, I'm in a very purple district, but I have looked at the data on this, whether you're Republican, independent, and maybe even a few Democrats, based on the data I've seen, most of America, the vast majority of Americans, want significant spending cuts if we're going to raise the debt ceiling. This bill doesn't even have a cap to the debt ceiling. I mean, it's just a free-for-all, essentially. And one person, the director of OMB, um, can waive uh, the caps and have the full sole authority to spend money on any program that, quote, needs to be delivered. It's insane that this is where we are. We would have been better off voting on a clean debt ceiling, which is what Biden wanted to do in the first place, than passing this bill. So at the beginning of this, I said they're going to figure out some way to suspend the debt limit until after the election, which is what they That's ended what they up doing. Yep. And and one thing that concerns me about this is that, you know, people do say they want spending cuts and they do say mm-hmm. they want they don't want more taxes. I mean, and that is one thing that is not in this bill, which is good. Um, but I, I think that when it comes right down to it, people are not as educated as they should be about where this is and what we need to do. You know, former Governor Sonny Perdue said, you know, he was able to manage through the recession, the Great Recession in 08, because there were, quote, pots of money all over the place in state government that that hadn't been spent and he was able to find all of them. I think there's that in the federal budget. So let's say we get through this vote. This vote's going to happen today. It's probably going to pass. I don't know what's going to ultimately happen. We get past today. How do we get responsible with the budget? It's not just about spending cuts, Representative Mace. It's about mm-hmm. managing the budget on regular order. Right. And that would be through, you know, they're banking on the appropriations process to manage spending. But the problem with that is that this bill is only binding for the next two years. We're, we may have a new president in two years, a different Congress, a different Senate. We don't know where we're going to be in two years. So you can't bank on this plan, cutting the deficit or cutting spending over the next six or 10 years, because that's just a hope, a dream and a prayer. Nothing in here is statutory to that degree uh, in this thing. And that's why, you know, I I call it it's just a shell game with the American taxpayers. And the other thing that a lot of people don't know, so you can manage, you know, spending through the appropriations, the regular order of the appropriations process. But one thing that does happen around here is that there are, quote, emergencies. It might be a, a legitimate emergency, like a hurricane or a war or, you know, market stabilization, et cetera. Um, and then they use uh, emergency supplemental bills to get around any kind of spending caps. And so, and, and this bill would allow for that. And so that, you know, it's, um, it's complicated. It's not easy to get, but I think when you talk about the baseline spending is that COVID level spending $6 trillion, not pre COVID levels at four, four and a half trillion. Uh, that, that and actually you can, can balance sense. the budget on that. I mean, I think our, our revenues this year are going to be about $4.2 trillion. So that's at least time. in the yeah. neighborhood. Time. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, you know, the, 
the left is gloating here. We fund every progressive program that the president wanted. We pay for it in this bill. It's here. It's in there. And we saw a lot of folks in the administration gloating about it yesterday. We saw the director of OMB recognize she has this singular sole authority to waive any of these caps, to spend the money on, quote, advancing Biden's progressive agenda. That is what she said yesterday. And then the Congressional Budget Office last night came out with their scoring that says how uh, a bill shapes up how much it's going to cost taxpayers, et cetera. Come to find out. We're also going to be adding people to welfare, government welfare with this bill. I mean, I just, I'm sort of beside myself. I'm about as jaded as I've ever been in the brief time I've been here. Um, I don't think I've been more disappointed than I am today. It didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. So what do we do next? Because even though you feel jaded and betrayed by your side, you know, the the Democrats didn't deal honestly either. Mm Mm-hmm. How do That's we deal the problem. With that? I mean, we're, D.C. is so, I mean, both sides are out of touch. Both sides, you know, the reason we're in this mess right now is because Republicans and Democrats alike uh, spent the money to get us to $32 trillion in debt. Republicans are not innocent in this, neither are Democrats. Uh, you know, this bill, I believe, will pass today. The fight will continue in the Senate. Senator Rand Paul already has a bill to replace this one, this one that would actually take us back to pre-COVID spending levels, which is where I believe we need to be. Um, it can be done, but it, but it means that yeah, it means that you can't waste money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just take, you know, you got 52% of federal employees that aren't showing up to work. I mean, we got empty buildings up here in DC where people are, are just not showing up to work. Let's get rid of those folks first. I mean, there's just, you know, you look at, there are contracts at the Pentagon that are extremely wasteful. The Pentagon in some cases pays 10 times what they should for different services and, and products. And, you know, there's so much that we could be doing that's thoughtful and responsible, but DC did what DC does. They get, they put DC math together. They waited until the last minute, the 11th hour to create this emergency situation like they always do. Does this, and, weekend, does this weaken Speaker McCarthy? What's that? Does this weaken Speaker McCarthy? Well, would this weekend, well, we're going to pass the bill today. It goes this Oh, I'm sorry. Does this weekend, weekend, not weekend? Weekend. Like, oh, weekend. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes. Does this weekend? Uh, I, I, I think that it hurts the conference. Um, you know, I, I know that there are folks that feel like they were betrayed. And, it, you know, it can be emotional at times. We had a healthy debating conference last night. But I can't express how deeply disappointed I am. And we were told things. We were told we were going to be, we gutted the IRS. Well, I read the bill. We didn't gut the IRS. I mean, that's just, it's not in the bill. And, um, you know, we were told things that I believe were not truthful or at least at the very least misleading. And I'm not going to mislead the American people. I'm not going to mislead my constituents back home in South Carolina. I'm going to tell the truth always. And I read the bill. And when I read the bill, I got angry. And that's when I put out, yesterday morning i like 18 tweets or something just trying to summarize some of the major components of the bill and why i would be voting against it and i'm encouraging all of my colleagues today read the bill so you actually know what you're voting on what you know what you're signing your kids and your grandkids up for because you shouldn't be doing this absolutely yes, thank ma'am. you nancy appreciate it very thank much you. it's local radio and that's why you're listening it's the martha zoller show on am 550 and fm 102.9 wdun and joining me right now is representative buddy carter from the first district of georgia and you know a number of your colleagues from georgia are 
are saying no to this deal. Uh, but I know that you are supporting this deal, and I wanted to have you on to talk about that. Well, I appreciate that, Martha. And, yes, I am aware that there are a number of my delegation members, my fellow delegation members, who are voting no on it. I am voting yes. I believe it is a good first step in bringing back financial sanity to Washington, D.C. Is it the end all? No. Uh, did we get everything we wanted? Of course we didn't. You never do in negotiations. But we did get quite a bit. We did get some good wins. And we, you know, we, yes, we agreed to raise the debt ceiling as we should. We've got to keep the full faith and credit of the United States going. But there's a difference in just raising it and raising it responsibly. And I believe that this bill helps us to raise it responsibly. It does a number of things. First of all, Yes, it does suspend the debt ceiling through January of 2024. 25, January 2025. Well, 25, excuse me. Yes, 25. But And I'm not real happy about that. I wish that we could have put a number with it, but but we didn't. That was part of the negotiations. It it puts caps in there. We've got spending caps. Um, We've got rescissions. As you just heard Patrick McHenry, who along with Garrett Grace, was our lead negotiators, who I think did a great job and did the best that they could. Uh, you know, that that's significant. Um, but there are a couple of things here that I want to point out, and I believe that they are congressional wins. And when I say congressional wins, I mean legislative wins. You know, for too long, I've, I've been hollering about the fact that we have conceded too much power in the legislative branch to the executive branch. Well, there are two things here I want to tell you about. First of all, we all know that the president wants to forgive student loans, which I don't think, and many people don't think, including Nancy Pelosi, that he has the right as a member of the executive branch to do that. The Supreme Court will rule on that later. But what this bill does is it says that the student loan payments will start back within 60 days, in 60 days after this act is signed into law. That's good. That's a win for the legislative branch. Secondly, we've seen what this president and other presidents have done through executive orders, spending money. Well, now they're going to have to adhere to the same thing we have to adhere to in Congress, and that is a pay go. That is, as if you're going to spend money, you've got to identify how you're going to save that money in the budget. So it's got to be revenue neutral. In other words, if, if you're going to spend a trillion dollars, where's that trillion dollars going to come from? That's got to be identified. So that's a good thing from a legislative perspective. And whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you ought to like that if you're a member of the legislative branch like I am. There are also things in there to address the permitting process. NEPA has got to be reformed, and this starts us on that process. And this is a good thing because that will help us grow our economy. It also has provisions in there for work requirements for for SNAP and for TANF. And, and we all know that that will help to bring people and lift people out of poverty. So, you know, is it everything I wanted? No, it's not everything I wanted, but it is, it's a good first step. And I intend to vote for it. And, I, you know, we've got to raise the debt ceiling. We've got to keep the full faith and credit of the United States going. At least we get some wins out of this. So let's talk about the IRS for a minute, okay? Because they just went back to work on May the 8th, and they'll be fully back to work by June the 25th. So to me, it seems like rather than having enforcement people, they just need to actually get back to work and start answering people's phone calls and doing their job 
Um, I had a software engineer write in to me yesterday that said, you know, they've got a big problem with their software. And the problem is it's really hard to work with the federal government on updating software because uh, the analogy he used is that it's like software and government is like replacing a toenail on an elephant. Only certain pieces can be changed so that the elephant will not die. Okay, so it's it. There are problems there. So this this bill really only reduces that whole the 87,000 number by a little bit. Are you concerned about that part? I am. And not only am I concerned about that part, but it also only does it for one year. So we're going to have to come back every year and address this, but we will. And, 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 you know, the solution to this, if we really want spending cuts is to elect Republican and conservative candidates. That's what we need to be doing. And that's why I feel like going into this next election after what we've witnessed in this first two and a half years of this administration, elections have consequences because policies have consequences. And we are suffering through the consequences right now of the Democrats and the Biden administration. Day one of this administration, two and a half years ago, this president declared war on fossil fuels, resulting in higher gasoline prices, resulting in higher inflation, resulting in the mess that we've got right now in our economy. This was self-inflicted. This did not have to happen. We had energy independence. We had energy dominance. Our economy was clicking. And then this administration took over and we see what we've got right now with high interest rates, with inflation, with the economy in, in shambles. It's, it's just policies make a difference. And that's why I believe we're right on policies. We're right as Republicans on policies. That's why I feel like we've got to get in here. We know right now that we have got – we don't have a revenue problem in Washington, D.C. We've got a spending problem. And keep in mind now, when you talk about why are you voting for this debt ceiling bill? Why are you voting for this Fiscal Responsibility Act? Keep in mind what the Democrats wanted here. They wanted another credit card. They wanted a clean debt ceiling. They just wanted us to raise it and and give them another credit card. We didn't do that. We said if we're going to raise this debt ceiling, we're going to have to have some spending cuts. We're going to have to have some permitting reforms. We're going to have to claw back some of this COVID-19 money, and we're doing that. And we're going to have to address SNAP and TANF and have work requirements in there so we can lift people out of poverty. And we're going to have to do something about these IRS agents. Is it everything I wanted to do? No. But it's, it is it is a good first step. Now, I know you're one of the sponsors of the fair tax bill. Um, what is the status of that? Well, it, it's still out there, and hopefully it will go through regular order and we'll have a hearing on it. Um, you know, right now, the debt ceiling has taken all the oxygen out of the room. Um, it, that's We weren't supposed to be here this week, as you well know, and we are here. And that's okay, but because we got to get this done. But right now, that has really, even the budget process, we had hoped that we would have a budget by now. I'm on the budget committee, but we've had to pause on that in order to pay closer attention to the debt ceiling. So it's still out there. The fair tax is still out there, and and I think it's going to get its day um, and, and be heard. Well, I appreciate very much um, you giving us this time today. What do you want people to know? Because you're going to vote tonight. You're going to. You've already said you're going to vote yes. But what do you want people to know as we finish this interview up? Well, what I want people to know is that this is not the end all. This is the first step. 
It's the first step toward getting us back to financial sanity here in Washington, D.C. No, we've got a lot more to, to do, a lot further to go before we're finished here. But this is a good first step. I think we did as, as well as we could have hoped for. Well, I appreciate very much all the hard work that you're doing. And, you know, don't forget about the fair tax. We need that. And we also need to get on regular budget order. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Senate because it does look like Rand Paul is going to offer an alternative bill. And I don't know where that's going to ultimately go. I'm concerned about that as well. <laughs> it may be another vote before you're all said and done. Congressman Buddy Carter. You may Carter, never get back home. <laughs> that's right. You'll never get back home. But Congressman Buddy Carter, thank you so much for being with us today and always being available. Thank you, Martha. Putting the talk in news talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. It is the Martha Zoller Show. One million men and women have given their lives in defense of the freedom of this country since we were started. And we need to remember that. And um, it shouldn't just be a Memorial Day or Veterans Day. It should be every day. And no, I can't solve every problem that a veteran has. I can't solve every problem. Uh, You know, I do my best. Uh, I know I get a lot. Sometimes I get involved with veterans issues and, you know, they get so mad at me because I can't solve the problem. And, you know, it makes me feel like sometimes I don't want to get involved anymore. But then I hear my dad in my in my head telling me the stories of when he was a POW and when he served. And so I, I will always try to help. I am not always successful. And that is difficult for me. But it is something that we need to deal with. And when we deal with families, we have to understand that, um, you know, that, that there's more than just those that died. There's the family that's left behind. Every day is Memorial Day for them. Uh, then there is also all of the men, women, children that are affected by committing ourselves to war. And if we are not going to fight to win, we should not put boots on the ground because there is a great cost to that. And and we've got to get back to fighting until there is victory if we are going to go to war. And I do believe we hurt that by doing these one-year deployments and and having the, the leadership change every year. We have created this cycle of wars that are one year at a time. And we need to get back to what we did in World War One and World War II, where you were deployed until you were finished. And then the people that were in charge were motivated to fight to win, to have a goal to win, and to know what victory is, which is you destroy your enemy to the point that they surrender. That is what victory is. And if you're not willing to do that, you should not commit troops. Let's go to the phones at 770-535-2911 and talk to Tom in Lula. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Um, a little better now, Martha. That was just powerful what you just said. And uh, last year you, you indulged me with re- reciting. But, uh, and one of the lines was, don't pay us home until we've won. So keep what you just said. But before you said that, I called to say thank you for, to the VFW Post. I think it was 7220 in Habersham County where I attended with my wife a uh, service yesterday. And 
I tell you what, Tom, you are cutting in and out really poorly. So we're going to put you back on hold. We're going to see if we can get a better signal for you. And then we want to definitely have you back on. Um, Tian in Miami said, I hear the concern in your Georgia congressman. If with the negotiation efforts of Speaker McCarthy, this bill continues so much spending. However, the prospect of defaulting could be much worse. Also, the original bill that was presented by Speaker McCarthy was great, but the woke Democrats would have blocked it and President Biden would veto it. I only hope our country can navigate through this horrible presidency of Joe Biden, or should I say Joker Biden. Trump or DeSantis don't seem so bad do they that's from tian in miami and then um uh we got a message from andrew clyde that's something he didn't get to what wanted to include also didn't get to addressing the issue of default the 14th amendment actually requires us to prioritize the servicing of our debt we always have enough money coming in every month to pay the interest on our current debt as long as we do that we will never go into default when speaking of default secretary yellen consistently uses the term all our obligations not just debt they are very different terms and should not be confused default only occurs when you can't pay interest on the debt honestly there's a bunch of our government that doesn't need to be funded and should be eliminated and i agree with you on that and you know what probably 80 percent of the government could be funded if we got to the default the problem is what will happen to the markets what will happen to individual working people's 401ks that's a challenge and Look, I know it's easy. It is a difficult decision that Andrew Clyde is having to make and Buddy Carter, who is going to vote for it, because because you're not only making the decision for yourself, you're making it for your constituents. And it's a gamble as to whether if we go into a go past the day, and I'm not going to call it default, where we only pay 80 percent of our obligations, will the will the pain to people that are about to retire who've saved money all their lives, be so great that it creates a bigger problem than managing the budget? That's the question they're having to answer. It's a tough question. That's why we ask people to serve and make these decisions. But what I will say, you know, Andrew is has been available, Andrew Clyde, to talk about these things, and I understand where he is. He and I might be a little different on what we would do, But our values are the same going forward. I am a little more concerned with how it's going to hurt regular people in the short run. Okay? And I know you should think long term, but I am a little concerned about how it will affect the savings and investments of average people. Because when they like to talk about, quote, big corporations in the stock market... That's a whole bunch of people's 401ks that are invested in that. That's a whole bunch of teachers unions and uh, which I know you don't like teachers unions, but they do invest for people's retirement, government retirement, personal retirement. My husband and I have been self-employed most of our lives and every dollar we have, we have either earned or earned interest on. So when we lose money because of a decision that government makes, it's painful. Okay, so I'm not saying it has to be perfect, but I understand the dichotomy of you've got two strong conservatives, Buddy Carter and Andrew Clyde, and they are at different points on this. But let me just tell you the truth that's going to happen. Okay, Kevin McCarthy can lose about 100 Republicans. 
as long as Hakeem Jeffries can deliver 100 Democrats. And then the bill's going to go forward. So I think that's ultimately what may happen. To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.